0: Hi everyone! Thank you for joining us. This is our these... these... drop. <laughs> that was extra special. That was really, really good. That time. Yeah. <laughs> uh... I'm
1: Brandy, I'm Emma, and I'm Mariana. This is your book club with a twist, and we are your happy hour girlfriends. This month, we've been talking about I'll Drink to That. And I can't believe we made it to our fourth and final episode of this (laughs) delightful yet raw book. Betty's life has been by no means uneventful. And speaking for all of us, I'm so glad we joined Betty on her journey. But we were definitely not just along for the ride. Last week, we had a few too many ladies of luxury while discussing be Betty's self. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I had too many, guys. <laughs> As we were discussing Betty's work life after leaving the psych ward. Throughout chapters 5, 6, and 7, we explored Betty's resilience and how she found her self-worth by helping her more often than not needy clients. She mm-hmm. became a mother figure and a therapist to them. Betty, you are quite a lady. Salute to you.
2: Yes. Salute to Betty. <laughs> the only proper way to cheers her and to honor our time spent with her is with a vodka martini with a twist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. While we are aware that the original classic martini is with gin, our Betty loves her vodka. So, keeping true to bets, we're putting a twist on a classic. Here to share this boozy finale of a cocktail is our is he official now?
0: Yeah, totally. official? Yeah, yeah official
2: get it. <laughs> is our official bartender in residence. Ah Ricardo! Oh, <laughs> Ricardo Ow ow! Guru guru Guru
3: Guru Ciao ladies, Benvenute. <laughs>
0: Hi. Hi!
3: So today's cocktail is called kangaroo Woo-hoo. or as a more commonly known vodka martini.
0: Yeah. <laughs> as everyone
3: knows, the original martini recipe called for gin. But since mm. we're talking about Betty, I think that right. it's better use. Vodka.
1: Yeah. Thank you.
3: Nobody knows exactly when the martini recipe was born, but initially it was a cocktail with a one-to-one ratio, so what? one ounce gin and one ounce vermouth. Huh. Nowadays, we prefer a version that are 2 to 1 ratio or 3 to 1 ratio. Yeah, I'm or 2 to 1. one.
0: Mariano's 3 yeah. to 1. Actually, sure, I thanks. was going to say the complete opposite, but there she <laughs> go.
3: I mean, actually, right now you can find even a 9 to 1 ratio oh for God. an extra dry martini.
1: What? Yeah.
3: I mean, like Winston Churchill used to love, it was like pretty much gin. That's it. The most important thing for a good martini is having a vermouth that is well preserved so I guess that a lot of people in the US uh, had a, a bad experience with spoiled vermouth so everyone was trying to go on the drier side but if we are buying a bottle of vermouth today we have to open it for the cocktail of today and let, then store it into the fridge for a maximum amount of time of 30 to 45 days
1: You're (sighs) kidding Wow Yep
3: So a lot of bad things A lot of bad cocktails happen Because of bad vermouth
1: Mm. So it always has to be stored in the refrigerator I did not Always Because because the
3: vermouth is wine It's a Uh. fortified wine So you can't keep the wine outside of the fridge
1: Wow Yep Okay
3: so oh, well. let's go deep down into the recipe of the martini, yes, it's a very easy and nice and, and super easy to remember recipe because it's like, I prefer the two to one version, so in this case two ounces of good vodka, mm. uh, I'm using Grey Goose,
1: oh, um, and excuse
3: one me. ounce of a good dry white vermouth. I'm using an Italian one that is called Dolin.
1: Of course you are, Dolin
3: (laughs) (laughs) I will never shake I would never shake a martini So we are stirring it So let's use the mixing glass Finally,
0: something stirred
3: (laughs) Yep, finally, Brandy (laughs) So let's take our mixing glass Or our cocktail shaker Put like a lot of ice on it And then the two ounces of vodka And the ounce of vermouth and stir it, stir it for a long time. We need to dissolve a little bit of the ice to reduce the percentage of ethanol in the cocktail and Uh. having a very nice and smooth flavor. (laughs) Ricardo, how
0: come you never shake it?
3: uh, I would never shake a martini because then you have to double strain it and maybe you have the dilution but you won't have the right temperature.
0: So oh. the stirring
3: process is important for these two things, reducing the ethanol in the, in the cocktail and having the perfect chill temp- temperature because it's an up cocktail. So you're, we are going to strain right. this cocktail Got right it. into our uh, martini glass or in our right. poop, but no ice involved. Right. In this right. particular case, we're going to do a lemon twist even if yeah. the original martini recipe called for orange peel. Oh. Huh. So we're gonna use we're gonna use lemon peel. We are gonna squeeze all the essential oils of the lemon peel on the edge of the glass, and we're gonna put the garnish that is this lemon peel, not inside the cocktail, not floating on the liquid, but on the edge of the glass. So while we're sipping our nose is gonna be very close to the lemon peel. Okay, Brandy.
0: Yes, I'm soaking it up. Don't you worry. Good. I'm with you. So I
1: feel like next time I need to take notes.
3: <laughs> Enjoy your martini and alla vostra thank salute, so ragazze. Oh,
0: thank you, Ricardo.
1: Ricardo. Amazing. Gracias.
0: Gracias. All right, ladies. Cheers. Salute. 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 <laughs> mm.
2: I've been so excited to get Ooh. to a martini.
0: Ooh. I have to. I've been Love dying to get to this martini.
2: Yeah, both of you are vodka ladies, so I knew
1: this was I'm coming. I'm actually
2: not. I prefer gin. Really? Uh, yeah. yeah. I like a I like a dirty vodka martini. I never would do vodka with a twist. So this is uh, just for Betty. I have a question
1: for you, Emma. How dirty do you like it? I like it pretty dirty, Mariana. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I like it pretty dirty. I want it's at some least privacy right five now? olives. <laughs> 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 I like
0: mine extra dirty, too, especially <laughs> when I do, like, a pickleback martini. I like Ooh. that, like, really dirty.
2: Yeah, you taught me that. That's my new favorite thing.
0: Oh, it's so
1: good.
2: See, but with this,
1: because I usually don't like lime as much as lemon in my drinks in general, so I am very excited about this lemon garnish because mm-hmm. it's really giving me all the the freshness and the, the summer and the all of it. Brightness. So I love it.
0: But yeah. I feel like I definitely need to try the orange peel at some point. When Ricardo said that, I was like, oh, that sounds so amazing.
2: That yeah. It orange. does. Also, did you know that the original um, vodka martini was called a kangaroo?
0: No. I, I was, had why. no idea like, when why? he
2: said that. I was like, wait, are, are we doing the right drink
0: ratio? I know. I was like, that's
2: not the name of our cocktail. <laughs> wait, but did he tell us why that was? Why? No, he doesn't know Why? That's, That's just what it was called. Yeah, I don't know where that history comes from, but apparently the first time someone made a martini with vodka, they were like, this is the kangaroo.
0: <laughs> Maybe it was in <laughs> Australia. <laughs> Maybe. You guys, I'm feeling kind of weepy that we're in our Aww. last. I know. We're it's in our last crazy. chunk of this book. It's crazy. Our first I I feel book. like. Yeah, and I feel like we've been through so much with her. Like I, oh, I really I feel like we've been on the journey we really have with her so yeah in the final chapters of this book we finally get to see betty at the top of her game both personally and professionally we're with her for the deaths of three people who each had such a huge impact on her life Mm. and we get to see a woman in action who after 80 plus years has (sighs) finally become real to use her word <laughs> and I feel like she's I don't know I know do you and need a <laughs> tissue I feel like she's never more real than in those intimate moments even early on in her time at Bergdorf's, she's never more real than in those intimate moments helping women get dressed in her dressing room mm. many of nice. them and even their children at this point have become like family to her yeah it's kind of incredible to me sometimes to to see how somebody will come in somebody who is even you know of quote unquote higher status than her and she's immediately able to put them at ease with right her sense of humor or just a little offhand comment that she kind of on the fly thinks up and suddenly like everything's okay and everybody's comfortable and you know ready to go
1: yeah she she even writes that she's able to discern another person's deep desires. Like she's yeah. able to somehow have, have this quiet understanding about where they're coming from and when they actually need, even yeah. though they don't necessarily know how to express it or they don't even know themselves right. right But she's been she she's able to kind of feel them out, which is incredible.
0: And she uses that information she does to help her do her job. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. You know
2: what this this relationship of Betty to her clients really made me think of? Um, <laughs> I don't know if you know oh this God. about Ricardo, but he's a huge <laughs> fashion snob. He's very into styling and very into clothing. Oh. And he has one store in his hometown in Reggio Emilia in Italy that, he's, mm-hmm. that he shops at. And Fabio is the owner of the store.
1: Fabio. And
2: they have built this beautiful relationship. Like Ricardo will come in Aww. and Fabio will like drop everyone else that he's helping to come and Aww. like help Ricardo. He actually when we were in Italy um uh, 2 years ago yeah. whenever it was that we were picking out his wedding suit, Fabio opened the store on the one day that he was closed so that he could just help Ricardo oh like gosh. find his suit. So I, I've seen it firsthand. I've never had a relationship with anyone in in fashion like that, but I've seen it firsthand how you really do build these relationships with people because they know what you like. They know what looks good on you. They make you feel comfortable. They make you feel at home when you're there. Exactly. It also made me think of all the women that used to wax me when I got Brazilians. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean when you got it? Right. Like when I mean? used to you get more. Well, now during quarantine, I'm assuming. No, right. I'm over that. But they're, they're I used to like go it. to the same um, woman and she used to just like make me feel really comfortable and she would oh like talk God, to yeah, me. Oh my God, yeah, they're great
0: at that. Right? That's the yeah. other comparison that I had when I thought yeah. of this. I remember the first time I went to do that, it was so jarring because the woman, I like laid down or whatever and, you know, they pretty much tell you to spread it. Mm. And then the woman was immediately like, <laughs> so how's your day going? Right. And I was like, oh my God what yeah and then as soon as I started talking about my day it was
1: like oh okay yeah <laughs> this is hilarious that both of you have done that I've never gotten my oh my god we have to go. <laughs> you were gonna say I was waiting for you
0: to say hoo-ha. <laughs> how'd you do that oh. uh, <laughs> well Man. one thing that I did want to talk about was I sort of really love the refinement that Betty's process at the store has taken on at this point in the book She talks about the woman who comes in sort of going through a life change with her kids, going off to college, and her wonderfully supportive husband sort of applauding the new and different Mm. looks that Betty finds for her. And then when that same woman comes back with her teenage daughter who isn't so supportive and who's making her mom doubt herself and her choices, Betty's really quick to step in, distract the daughter with clothes of her own to try on, Mm -hmm. and then she asks that woman not to bring her daughter back with her next time, but to bring her husband back instead. And it goes back to what we were just talking about. She's so perceptive to what people need. And she goes beyond the bounds of what her job actually is in order to ensure that the women who leave her dressing room leave there feeling amazing.
1: Yeah. I find that to be a very interesting point because I know that I always... And basing kind of my perspective on things, basing it off of the person that I'm with. Yeah. So it's so incredible that she was actually like very, she was in tune with not only her client, but how her client changed depending on who was with them. And right. I think that was so important. Because it would be very different if the three of us went shopping versus me with Andrew, you with Jason, or you're with Ricardo. Right. Versus us with our moms. You know, it's just, it's a different feel. But beyond just that
0: shopping experience, it's also what you're going to take with you into the world after that moment about those clothes that you buy. You know what I mean? So I feel like Mm -hmm. Betty knew this woman, when she's shopping for clothes with her supportive husband, anytime she wears those outfits, she's going to feel amazing. Because the first person who saw her in them thought she was great. Was her husband. Yeah, yeah. versus her daughter who was, like, doubtful of it. So anytime she wears those clothes, she's going to be, like, wondering, do I actually like this? Do I look good in this? And Betty knew that. One of um, the—I think it's also in this section in the book that her therapist tells her that she would make a great lay therapist. And Betty comments on the plants that she's brought him over the years and says that they both like to watch things grow. And in a lot of ways— She has been, like, sort of a therapist to these women. She's listened to their problems. She's provided guidance. And she keeps them from indulging too much in retail therapy. She makes a point of saying repeatedly how she doesn't let women buy things for the sake of buying things. Mm -hmm. Because everything in the store is expensive. She really wants them to love the things.
2: Yeah, that makes me think of this quote that I wrote because I loved it. She says, The lust for clothes is a brilliant defense mechanism. The displacement of love, affection, and attention onto a pair of shoes or a dress has built an entire industry. So, yeah. this woman who mm-hmm. is selling clothes as her profession right. still mm-hmm. realizes I mean, it, it brings it reminds me of that quote that we mentioned in the last episode um, something about fashion and a sense of misery. Yeah, I don't remember it exactly.
0: Fashion being confused with misery. Misery being confused with fashion. Something. I don't remember.
2: But it, it's the same sentiment, right? Like, she, you know, she's selling liking, clothes yeah. as a living, yeah. but she she still realizes that that they're a cover for a lot.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think it's because she's gone through so much on her own yeah. that she can now see when her clients and her customers are in pain or are suffering so she kind of knows yeah. how to be empathetic enough mm-hmm. to give them the courage to try something new or to just give right. her, them the reassurance that they are beautiful that they are loved and that they could be powerful in whatever piece of clothing that she provides them yeah yeah
3: so mm. it's it's
1: pretty it's pretty magical what she what betty did for these ladies it
2: you, is do you remember that woman that had a double mastectomy <gasps> and oh. came in. I think Betty had maybe dressed her before, and so she hadn't yeah. realized yes. that she had undergone this procedure. And
0: mm-hmm. then they were in the
2: fitting room, and she couldn't look in the mirror.
0: Oh my gosh! Uh, yeah.
2: th- this woman that that had returned to her, and Betty was there to help her feel beautiful again and reconnect mm-hmm. to her body and what felt good, which yeah. also ties into Betty had a single mastectomy, but. That seemed to just kind of be thrown in there. Just one more thing that Betty had to overcome.
0: One of the quotes that really broke my heart is once Betty has her own mastectomy, she says, I had a very difficult time facing my mirror. I felt so disfigured and so lopsided. Mm -hmm. From then on, I never looked and I dressed with my back to the mirror and she even talks about like wearing those thick t-shirts so that Jim couldn't see what was going yeah. on. Yeah. It it just really it it broke my heart for two reasons. I think there was an element of it that I felt like it really sucks that a lot of times as women but also just as people, you know, your physical appearance and the way you appear to other people matters. So much, and you know it does, and that's why she's so much. hiding. But it. even to yourself, and that's that was going to be my second point. Oh, it's like she also can't look at herself in the mirror, yeah, which is just heartbreaking to think about. Under going through something so huge like that, surviving it, which sometimes people don't don't but then still carrying the remnants of that the
1: scars the scars
0: of that shame yeah and I think when she's talking about that that other woman who had the double mastectomy she described those scars as being like angry scars across her body which it just I don't know it just shattered me
1: yeah you know it's interesting because I, when I was reading this and, and the point that you brought up of, of Betty kind of being a mirror for these women, mm. it also reminded me of in my youth and when I was a young adult as a professional dancer, the mirror for oh, us right, as yeah. dancers was an enemy but also kind of our savior mm. at the same time yeah. because it was a way for us to clearly see what we were executing badly it was either black or white, especially in classical ballet. The point was to be perfect. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a way to identify our mistakes. Interesting. Though it could also destroy the image that we had of ourselves. Oh,
2: that's oh. such a heartbreaking truth, Mariana.
1: <laughs> yeah. But in a way, Betty eliminated that. She was not a source of judgment for these, no. these women. Yep. She was their reflection. They saw the reflection through her. So she was their mirror and she would give them this kind and gentle perspective, right. which then made them feel loved and beautiful. Mm. Right. And I think that to have someone like that, that support system where you might not find it in a mother, in a child, mm. in a significant other, she did that for them.
0: Yeah. She even, even though she
1: couldn't do it for herself right? at times.
0: And she even says early on in the book that um, that she never—I forget the exact quote—but she never says like that dress looks terrible on you. <laughs> right? She never judges the woman. Yes. She just says yes. like, "Oh, that dress is terrible." I love lo- yes. that. is terrible. Love There's that. There's nothing wrong with you. Yeah.
2: yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, Betty, 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 oh, Betty. Betty. <laughs> so then she returns back to work after she had her operation, like six weeks. After the operation. Yeah, she was ready to get back to work. Which I totally understand. I mean, yeah. I think that that place of work for her was her safe haven. Like that's. Oh, yeah. She needed that, which I totally relate to. I understand that feeling of needing to be doing what you love and be busy and um, feel And like, I think also that's
0: where she found herself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At that store. One of the things I loved about this section of the book is that she talks so much about I feel like this section of the book doesn't have as much structure, sort of, it doesn't have as much narrative structure as the rest of the book. Mm -hmm. It sort of feels more like little bits of things that Mm -hmm. are kind of left over, but Mm -hmm. she talks a lot about her clients, her Mm -hmm. longtime clients, the children of those clients, sort of Mm -hmm. notable clients that she's had, and this sort of, like, makeshift family that she's that she built, built. Yeah. Mm-hmm. out of her clientele. One of the stories that I loved that she told was about uh, Walter Cronkite and his right. wife right. coming Aww. in year after year for their, you know, to to make their Christmas list and to get gifts for everybody and stuff. And I noticed that Betty shouted out the fact that they had had a rock solid marriage of sixty five years. Which I think anybody has to admire, but the fact that Betty called that out kind of hurt my heart for a second because I think, I think it's something she very much would have liked mm. to have had. Um, I know
1: that's something that she always I think desired, but never quite got there.
0: Yeah, yeah. But she goes on to talk about like her ver- the first bride that she ever dressed, who. Who I think the daughter was brought- of another client. Exactly. Yeah, she was the daughter right. of one of her clients and had gotten introduced to Betty, who still called her every, every Sunday, Sunday. I know. I know. at 1 o'clock. And she says something to the effect. I think she said that, like, she thought that this woman would call her because it made her feel like she was talking to her mother mm. to be mm-hmm. talking to Betty, which was mm-hmm. just so... It was sweet and
2: so sad. Yet the continued relationships that she kept with not just her clients, but as you're saying, the children of her clients after those clients passed away Mm -hmm. is so meaningful. I mean, helping... The kids pick out the outfits that their parents were going to be buried in, oh, because thanks. she knew what their oh favorite gosh. outfits were. You know, because she picked them out for them.
0: Yeah,
1: what a beautiful way. And how do we even conserve
2: their clothes too after they passed yeah. away? right. Like she just she Continue would give things that. as
0: gifts. Yeah. Yes, right.
2: The job doesn't end for her. The job doesn't end after you dress them. Yeah, to the end and beyond. Yeah,
0: it it honestly made me think. You know, at at a certain point, she kind of starts talking about clothing as memories. Yeah. And I think there's something so powerful about wearing something that once belonged to somebody Mm. that you love. I think she mentions at some point some client who comes in who's getting dressed for some big event and they try on dress after dress after dress. They can't find anything. And finally, Betty ends up digging something out of that client's mother's Right wardrobe Mm -hmm. and that's the dress she ends up wearing a dress that used to belong to her mother and it made me think you know jason's mom recently passed away it's Mm -hmm. it's been less than six months and he kept a sweater of hers Mm -hmm. it's kind of like a sweater jacket she used to wear it Mm -hmm. like in the mornings and stuff you know california mornings they can be a little bit cool Mm -hmm. but i've i've seen him put it on a couple of times and just sort of wrap himself up in it like it's a hug or something And I think there's something, there's just something so comforting about holding something tangible that not only belonged to somebody that you loved, but it takes the form of who they were in a way. Yeah. And you can put it on yourself and it's almost like they're wrapped around you. And I feel like that was something Betty was like tapping into even from a young age, when she talks about playing in her mom's closet or her grandma's closet, and she says, "I didn't need friends, I had these clothes. Like these were mm-hmm. the things that were playing." It was with more me. about
1: the memory as opposed yeah. to the actual piece, like the
0: essence of those yes. people attached yes. to those. That to is that so clothing. beautiful.
2: Oh. I think about often. My dad is a devout Cubs fan, and he has this ratty, <laughs> beat-up Cubs hat that he's had. I don't know how long he's had it for, but, you know, that's just, that's, that's his essence to me. Like, that Cubs Mm -hmm. hat is my dad. And it just, like, makes me cry, you know? Like,
3: that
2: there can be something like that um, that's left behind. It's a treasure. It's a treasure. I think it's the same with smells. You know how some smells really, like, trigger memories whether good or bad you just you whiff something and you're automatically brought back yeah I think it's really cool that clothes can do that too
0: well and I think to your point too Emma about smells like clothes carry smells you know what I mean Jason still hasn't washed that sweater jacket of his mom's because it smells like her and he like it (laughs) did that smell brings him so much comfort oh god I'm so sorry no 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 no. it's just like it's such a it's such a like it's such a real beautiful thing. I think it it's really also is. such a tribute to this section of the book because in, you know, in a weird way, Betty is getting up there in age at this yeah, point. Yeah, she's and I think 86
2: it won- when this book is published.
0: Right. Yes. And at some right. point she starts, she talks about how people in her life are passing away and how she never crosses names out of her book you don't cross out somebody's name because it's not like they never existed so like we're all getting emotional talking about this stuff but i do feel like it's in these chapters too that like she's beginning to lose people and she's sort of entering these these sort of twilight years
1: and it's, it's such a lesson for us to be, and it's such a privilege for us to be reading her story because being at, at, at that age and then starting to make all these realizations and mm-hmm. seeing when people around you have left, how she used to say that she was alone, but now not having those around her who have made a significant impact on her, now they've actually left now she really does find herself alone and that's where the growth, she says that's where her growth started or was ignited. Right. So it's very interesting that it's like later on in life, like having all these people leave her and cross to the next chapter in their being.
2: Yeah. That
1: That. that's when she starts making all these realizations of growth yeah. and involvement as a human.
2: And it's in these final stages of the book that she loses three... As you I said, three really important <laughs> people in her life.
0: Uh, sh- are we getting into this? Are we I guess this? we are. If I this think, is not I a segue, I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh. So it's interesting because we understand that Sunny, her husband, passes yeah. away before
0: Jim, but she mentions Jim's death first. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought that was so weird. What did you guys make of that, if anything? You know what? I, I actually thought that
1: it, it made perfect sense, because Jim left her with a lot of realness, a lot of real things. He, he contributed provided her, a
0: huge amount. Yeah, yeah,
1: he provided her with kindness and honesty, which I think kind of influenced her inner strength.
0: Yeah, to then.
1: Totally. become the woman that she or the icon that she became to become yeah. real he was a best friend to her
0: yeah.
1: he understood her like from what we were talking about I think it was in the first episode like when someone really gets you and understands you you hold on tight because yeah. this person is gonna make you feel like you're a million trillion bucks yeah like you are worthy of everything and more while Sonny on the other hand even though he was kind of trying to be sweet at the end, but he left her with so much heartache and so many bad memories, and he never really fully understood her. Like, it just just makes sense that she would go on and on about how it felt to lose Jim initially, as opposed to losing Sunny, even though it might've been chronologically, it might've Mm -hmm. been the opposite.
2: And she says about Jim, She says, I was ready for someone to take me over and teach me how to be a grown-up woman. Yes. Which, like, initially, actually, when I read that, I'm like, no, Betty, like, you don't need someone to take you over, you know, like,
0: the feminist to me is like, you don't need a man to do that for you. Well, and she's also so strong. Yeah, but I I don't think she knows how strong she is. Exactly. But, yeah, when she 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 words it it that way, you're like, what are you talking about? But I think that— I think her strength,
2: in hugely part, uh, hugely is in part to because of Jim. That I sounded think,
0: really weird. Do you know what I'm saying? No, but it, it, I understood. Phrase exactly that what you really. Oddly. I mean, as actors, do you guys ever have this experience where, like, you want to play a role a certain way, but it's not until someone gives you permission uh-huh. to play the part in that way that you're mm-hmm. like, oh, now I can really do it." And I feel like in some ways that's Betty, where like I think she knows the person that she is. She just needed somebody to come along and give her the confidence. It's yes. the woman in the dressing room yes. who needs her husband there to I say, that. You look fucking great in that.
1: And to that point, Carol, her mother, always questioned her relationship with Jim. That's right always said she didn't understand the relationship he's not rich enough they don't come from the same background though Kathy right her daughter always sort of free-spirited
0: daughter yes
1: thanked Jim for taking care of her mom Mm. so there you go two different perspectives and two different senses of approval and she was going back and forth of whether but she
0: Jim did what she needed for her to be like But I have to say, I think they sort of took care of each other because also in this part of the book, she talks about how Jim didn't necessarily have, it sounds like Jim was very good with his money, but it doesn't sound like he had a ton of money. And when she starts talking about their travels together and stuff like that, she does sort of mention that she's able to call in a couple of favors and stuff like that for places to stay. Otherwise, they would have never been able to take these somewhat extravagant trips together. And one of my favorite things about this part of the book when she's talking about their travels is she sort of always portrays Jim to be this quiet guy. We don't get a ton of information about Jim's personality necessarily in the book. And I loved when she talks about their trip to Ireland Mm. and his sense of humor coming alive because he's with his people. And she says... The place felt so familiar and comforting to me as well. I was back with the people who would who had raised me, after all, and I wondered if that was part of her attraction to Jim too—that he just felt like home, because in some ways she was she was back with the people who raised her, not her mom and dad, right, but the people the she chef. spent so much time with in the kitchen, mm-hmm.
1: exactly. Guys, before we move on because I really wanted to ask both of you this question, didn't you find it very interesting that she never got divorced to Sonny?
2: Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about that. I mean, again, was, that was that was like a really big deal. Divorce then mm-hmm. it wasn't yeah. it wasn't
0: very simple. I think it was more than that, though. I think to the end, she carried a little bit of a torch for Sonny. In my personal opinion, in those, when she has the mastectomy at the hospital, she calls him again after oh my gosh, all right. these years. He's been living with the same woman, unmarried for all these years. Betty's been with Jim and still she calls him and she's kind of crushed when he's a little bit indifferent to her. And all he says is, uh, oh, I can send the driver to go pick you up from the hospital. Right. It's like one last attempt. Like, maybe he'll have it's empathy like for maybe. me. It's like maybe. And I feel like... I feel like there's something there for her. But I feel like Sunny... I feel like he sort of couldn't stand the reflection of himself that he saw in Betty's eyes, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. I think when she looked at him, he could see all of the potential that she had seen in him at the mm. beginning squandered. I feel like... Every time she looks at him, she's seeing that gorgeous guy on the beach that she met. And now he's just kind of this old drunk guy.
2: But I do. I think that there's this undercurrent of, dare I say, passion or lust. But I do think that that Mm -hmm. rolls really deep inside. And, you know, she did, as seemingly unenthusiastic as she was about raising kids... There's still something to be said for the fact that you still raised two kids with this guy, and that can mm-hmm. that bond can never be broken. Ever be broken. Yeah.
0: I mean, you can sever I, the, the cord, but that's still always underneath. But it's also telling that they never fully severed the cord. They never actually got divorced. Right. And I I feel like uh,
1: twofold with this, like one is I think there was, yes, the passion and the lust, but also this obsession because she never got from Sonny what she really wanted. Mm -hmm. She never got him to see her how she was, even though, like I agree, Brandy, she might have been the reflection of what Sonny didn't want to really see about himself. Yeah. But she never got that from him. She could never really see him looking at her the way she wanted yep. to be looked at, yep. which she got from son uh, from, from Jim. Jim. Jim, and also the other thing because of the times, I'm wondering if there was still this mentality that they needed to belong to someone because of the times. They were already married, so they already shared the last name. Like, did they needed they needed to just stick with that because it was their marriage started during the great depression i don't know but, I, mean, I don't he's know like if it was more with, of like a traditional thing
2: but he's mm. living with someone else
0: at this point so
2: i think like tradition's and kind so is of like she. out the
0: window and he's living like, with the same person although he's very faithful well i don't know faithful <laughs> but he does stay with this person who seems to love him because she takes care of him until he dies right. this other the woman. tradition is out the window so why not just get divorced because that was untraditional. Like, that's. But there's no Correct. secret to the fact that they're living separately. You know what I mean? Like, there's, it's not like anyone, the jig is up. Like, yeah. you know what I, I mean know. at this it's point? Just,
1: it, it's just interesting. And Jim kind of understood that and went along with it too.
0: Right. I don't know if we actually mentioned the quote, but. We haven't, I this was, but I'm ready for it. It was a, it was just kind of a heart shattering quote for me when she said of Jim, our relationship Healthy, mutual, strong, was never the love affair I'd had with the man I was married to. And Jim mm-hmm. knew it. <laughs> and I, oh. Yeah,
2: I feel that too. But also, I don't think that they were that romantically involved. So there's part of me that's like. You mean Jim and Betty? Jim and Betty, Yeah. So, I don't know. I wonder if, and I wonder why that is. I think it, to me, it felt
0: more, uh, like companionship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like more of a friendship than like. But she does talk about wearing these thick t shirts to bed so that Jim can't
2: see her. So, but that's because I think because Jim is super sensitive to that. Like, remember when she had Mm. the operation, she was like, I knew that Jim would be really icky about seeing any of this like he doesn't
1: do yeah, well with hospitals he and hated all hospitals
0: that. right
1: but I don't know guys because I feel like there's different stages of love and for at uh, different stages of your life oh my god when I you're love young yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. when you're young yep. I think you go more towards the appearance and the lust and the passion and just the sexual attraction. But when you get a little bit older right. or kind of when you're mid-age, you want more of the companionship, right. the friendship, the, under- the mutual understanding and respect. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, I don't know. I kind of Ugh. saw their relationship as having kind of both. Hmm. In a way, with Jim, having that love, that attraction, but in not being lust, just being something that this is the person that
0: I was meant to be with. She never talks about her sexual relationship with Jim. She doesn't. Which I found fascinating. There's no way they were together for 30 years and weren't
1: And she never talked about really... She was never very explicit about her sexual relationships with
0: Sunny. She wasn't explicit, but there was never any question that she loved him and she thought sunny was fucking hot like there's you know right. she made mention of that so many times
1: <laughs> which in a way poses an interesting question whether you can have you can be with a significant other that like draws you in who's attractive and like you have feel this like electricity with him but can you also have that companionship and friendship and mutual
0: respect i mean which i think I is think a very that's unique the golden thing ticket that everybody's right. looking for Right. You guys, in Which honor that- of this conversation, I'm moving on to my dirty martini.
2: Ooh, you made it dirty.
1: <laughs> I think she made it extra dirty. I made it
0: extra dirty. Anyway, Mariana, I'm sorry. <laughs> no more you. I interrupted for you. you. <laughs> no. I'm, what were you I'm all about the extra
1: dirtiness. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm really lying. laughs> no, I was just going to say that I think the three of us might have found that perfect combo, but. It's hard to find. Yeah. It's hard to find the electricity
2: and also the companionship. And then there's the whole question of what about when you have that? Because I've also been in a position where I fully had that. But then one of those elements weans away. And it's S- usually sizzles. like the sexual part of it. So, like, what do you do then when you're still in, like, a very deep... Um, relationship with someone where like you're connecting with your souls but then you're not really like sexually attracted to each other anymore. Because then what do you do? That's a very real circumstance.
1: Yeah. And it's and it and it it depends on each couple because the three of us have we've met our significant others like we've mentioned before at very different at stages. Different
0: times,
1: yeah. So, I don't know. There's something about I'm a firm believer that if you find your best friend, you will be able to find what you might have lost at some point if it was like the the sexual like let's do it right now let's flip the table (laughs) or let's go
2: into the bathroom you'll be able to excuse me fire let's stay on this for a little bit (laughs) are you having a dirty martini right now (laughs)
1: <laughs> I'm still on my martini with a twist but it's <laughs> sounds divine. dirty to me <laughs> it's getting dirty real quick it's it's a very frisky martini <laughs> anyway but I think like you you it, it, if you have that friendship and you have that mutual respect you'll be able to kind of like figure it out I think yeah. if you have that that like cushion the cushion for the pushing no just kidding <laughs> oh my god <laughs>
2: She is drinking <laughs> a dirty martini. I know it.
0: Oh. <laughs> she might not be drinking a dirty martini, but she had a feel. <laughs> Woohoo! No. Oh my god. If you
1: like, have that. Um, if you're, what's the word? If you're grounded. If you have that that
2: common that, ground. That if you have a
1: solid foundation. Foundation. Right. There you go. If you have that foundation, yeah, the sky's the limit. I really do think that what's most important in a relationship is that, that respect and that friendship yeah. and all the other things you can work on them.
0: I agree with you. I think I... once respect is gone from a relationship, that's yeah. like the beginning of Bye-bye. the end. and trust. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yes. Respect yeah. and trust. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And I do I I really do agree with that. But I do also think if you're not And I guess it depends on the age. I mean, this is like such an interesting topic to me that I could talk about for a long time. I know. Look at us going kind of like, yeah. Having a discussion. (laughs) (laughs) Look at us talking. talking.
1: We're We're podcasting.
0: Oh, this is how are you podcast. Y'all. We're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> In four episodes, or I guess three episodes before this, I don't think we've ever had this moment where we are clearly all a little bit sauced. It's martinis, y'all. It's like straight up hey.
1: booze. You did this to me because I'm not the vodka girl (laughs) of the the group. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but (laughs) you can drink me (laughs) under
2: the
0: table. So no excuse. Seriously, every time. Mariana can drink us both under the table. (laughs) I don't know. You're pretty good too, Brandy. I'm very jealous of both of you. No, no. You're a big competitor. No, I try real hard. But when we end the night, Mariana could still keep going. She's just, uh, you know, she's giving me some grace by being like, you know, Let's go home. Let's call it a night. And I'm like, yes, You're like, okay. thank God. I thought you'd never ask.
2: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm sleeping
2: on the table three hours ago. <laughs> Emma's
0: done. I'm like, thank you, God. And Mariana's like, Andrew, you want to have a drink when I get home?
1: <laughs> <laughs> the Colombiana She's comes called out. you out. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. Sorry, Emma. We totally
2: interrupted. It's fine. Your thought. I i don't even care to go back let's just keep going
0: well if we're gonna keep going i feel like we have to talk about the the third death oh i thought you were gonna say you had to pee
2: i thought you were gonna be like can we stop to pee and i was like yeah
0: we can i'd almost rather no let's keep going talk about this third death that's about to come drop it drop it so betty's mom dies (laughs) Oh no! You guys are laughing. You guys are dicks. No, 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 no! It's I'm not about. It was just the, the, timing. Me. <laughs> the
1: timing. The timing of it. Really she said, "Drop, drop it." We're Sorry. terrible. Okay, take it take back. back. Take, take it, it back. Take it back. Take it back. What was that, Brandy? I
0: chug it. Chug it. Chug it. Chug Let's it. move in it. to the next. It. <sighs> Betty's mom dies. We learn. And we, we, you guys are laughing again. You think you're I'm saying gonna edit it with this, this
2: somber energy
0: <laughs> and like your face like is dropping
2: and it's just, I know it's really sad.
1: But I, <laughs> but the way you're saying it, Brandy, you guys are not going to look gonna at edit you this, and you say out. this time.
0: I'm not going to edit. The, I want the listeners to know the truth about the two of you. <laughs> I said Betty's mom died and they laughed. <sighs>
2: They're still laughing.
0: You just can't see it.
2: (laughs) But it's true. Her mom
0: does die. I think this is the most (laughs) traumatic. This is the most dramatic. Is it? This is more traumatic for you than when Jim dies? Oh, my gosh.
2: Yeah. No. For me, it's like more of the aftermath of her mom's death and how that affects Betty that gets me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the fact that her mom would have been a very big fan of our podcast because she owned a bookstore.
0: She was a huge book lover.
2: Yes. After Harry passed away, she moved on
0: and did her own thing. Yeah. Like it's interesting, Betty. almost the same way that Betty does. Her mom builds this sort of salon, it seems like in this <laughs> grand bookstore. salon. Yeah. yeah, she's got all these friends who come in every day for conversation. Their lives David are very Mamet. similar. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane, What's this mean? sort of community
2: she builds. And then the bookstore closes,
3: and mm-hmm. then her mom
2: feels like with the loss of the bookstore she's lost a reason to live like the bookstore really was her world yeah, similarly was... I think like Bergdorf is for Betty yep I mean I have a hard time imagining what Betty would do if if that department oh, closed what would she do yeah.
1: you know what I found most interesting about this section and about her mom passing is at the funeral when Carol passes away Kathy turns to Betty and says now you can start living mom and I think initially Betty's like taken aback by why Kathy said Mm -hmm. this but she starts like contemplating and she's like "Ooh," and then she then goes on to write I was always in her shadow
0: Mm. my mother
1: and father glorified me in a way that unintentionally diminished me In telling everyone how beautiful I was, they created a hot house rose. They would have done anything short of murder to see me married to the richest man in the world and living on living on a yacht, in a penthouse, and more. They made me a fairy princess that really didn't want to be. Yeah. So I actually I took that <sighs> she's an only child again i'm saying only child she she really she had this pressure on her throughout her whole life her mom created this pressure of her trying to be something that her mom wanted to be that she doesn't necessarily didn't want her mom never wanted her to be a saleswoman right her wa- mom wanted to be a stay at home wife right. that looked as perfect as presentable as she possibly could, catering to the socialites around her. Mm-hmm. At least she does. As opposed to, she does fulfill
2: that demand, that wish. She
1: right. does, she does, fulfill, she does do that. She does. But then Betty didn't really start living to Kathy's point until her mom passed away. It was kind of a relief that her mom passed away, which kind of breaks my heart. But in a way, it just it feels like her mom passing on made her take the next step and really become the real Betty Mm -hmm.
0: I think it's that sense of permission like Mm -hmm. that sense of asking for permission had sort of gone away and now you know when you don't have a when you don't have someone above you above you with quotes to sort of ask for permission Mm -hmm. you are now that person and I think it's the first time that Betty just sort of gets to fully take ownership of herself and her age and her wisdom and everything that she's been through to say and like her wit. and her wit oh my god that gets her through so much that gets her to so many places open so many doors yeah for it makes her. her so much more confident yeah yeah i mean even when mr neymark neymark Knee mark Knee Mark <laughs> gives her her first sort of test after Betty talks about this the possibility of the solutions department. her very first quote unquote client is Mrs. Paley, this New York socialite, who Betty's supposed to sort of help. and Betty says like this woman could dress herself in anything and she'd look fabulous. Like there's really nothing I can do with this woman. But the second she walks into the dressing room, the first thing she makes a comment about is the woman's hair color, which is such a topic of conversation, I guess, in the tabloids and for so many people. And it kind of makes her laugh and and just immediately takes the pressure out of the room and allows them to just, you know, get down to business without right. any any pressure or any pretense about what's going on. And it's the thing she's so... Good at is disarming people and putting them at ease, yeah.
3: and I feel like
0: her mom's passing sort of gives her the final bit of permission to just do that and like be to herself. Just be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
1: The the one thing aside from that that I do want to mention because it goes along with a lot of the things that we talked about in episode one, and this is what truly broke my heart. Kathy, when she passed, she passed with a lot of secrets that were never fully mm. unravelled. Uh, the mom, you mean Carol. When the Carol mom. Passed. Oh, I'm sorry, I said Carol. Kathy. Yes, the mom, Carol. She's toasty Apologies. again. Folks. I'm toasty again. <laughs> mm. I meant Carol. Um, and and especially the secret that she really deserved oh, that know. Betty deserved to know. Because Betty never found out the truth about why she was kept from having a relationship from her biological father, right. and she will never know. She mm. had to stay away from him, and she couldn't have a relationship with the person that created her. Yeah, we never even hear though her about mother would, no, yeah. and her mother was so adamant about and and so vocal about how she was supposed to live her life, but she kept a relationship that could be one of the most important relationships or significant relationships that she could have had aside from Harry and aside from her relationship with her mother Carol yeah. And so in a way, I feel there and from coming from a personal from personal experience, I think that's a little bit sorry to say this, but it's unforgivable because why would why would you not tell
2: your child why? Well, I don't know I feel like we don't know the circumstances like. We don't. Right. That's why I'm saying I'm more pertaining to my situation.
1: And Betty doesn't but that it was, seem it's, it's,
0: tortured about it either.
1: No, but she does mention. It, she mentions that, the, the, that she mentions that the, that those secrets her mom will take to the grave mm-hmm. and she will never know. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if you mention it, obviously it there's is something that
0: Yeah, there.
1: there's a reason as to why.
0: Ugh. It's just it's. I can't it's imagine hard. having a hole like that. I, I feel like anytime I have something that I'm questioning whether or not I want to do or what direction I want to go or something like that, the thing I always think about is what am I going to regret not having done when I'm in my twilight years or when I'm on my deathbed? Like, what will I regret not having done? Oh, I and I try to, like, time. sort of guide my life in that direction so that I don't have those gaping regrets. Yeah. And for Betty, it does feel really shitty that this is something that. She had no control over. She had no, no power over. over. But she'll no. always have this sort of little hole.
1: And she loved her mother. Oh she yeah. Oh loved my god. Yes. Her
0: mother. So it's not because of that. It's just. It's just. She loved her mother so much. Knowing. So that she like is pretty much turning into her mother at this point. Like, in a way, yeah. She sort in of modeled herself after her mom. I think. Yeah. She idolized yeah. her so much.
2: Well, and that makes me think the mom, you know, she, she, I think decided to, if I remember correctly, she decided in her final days, <clears throat> excuse me, that she wanted to like suffer alone than have anyone mm-hmm. see her in the yeah. deterior, deteriorated position that she was in. Yeah, She didn't mm-hmm. want to lose her dignity and she wanted people to remember her as she was. And she says, vibrant, intelligent, and witty. And I think Betty really does embody all of those qualities. So I think there there are some of those comparisons. And
1: And she never told anybody her age.
2: Oh, really? Carol never
1: told anybody her age. Oh, I missed that. I forgot about that. Yeah, she never. Oh, right. Aside from dying in that light, she never wanted to tell how anybody how old she That's was. So interesting, which is fascinating to me, knowing that Betty's like I'm 86, and this is when I am a full yeah. A I feel like a lot woman. of women
0: have that. Maybe not women of our generation, but like my mom, for example, for a long time refused to talk about her age or how old she was, and I would literally have to. I knew what year I was born, and I knew when she got pregnant, so I would have to do the math. to figure out how old she was because (laughs) she would just refuse. She's over that now. But like when I was younger, she used to do that. And that's something that I've never felt. Yeah. I am the age that I am. I'm 30 fucking five. I've been waiting to be in my mid thirties for a long fucking time. Yes. And I'm here.
2: And you're (laughs) killing it. I guess one of the, the positive attributes that we can take away from Betty losing her mom is that With the loss of her mom, she also lost any inhibitions in expressing her mind. Like, Mm -hmm. she somehow found this freedom to say it like it was. And I love that. Mm -hmm.
0: I love that she... I I feel like that's the freedom, that's the kind of freedom that only comes with age and wisdom. Yep. I feel like with every passing
2: year, yeah, I start to, like, give less and less fucks. I'm still really not good at it, but... I do feel like it comes with age. It really does. I agree with yeah, you I that. Yeah, I feel like
0: with age comes a confidence of a certain level that you can sort of own it and just say, you know what? Yeah. It is what it is. I'll deal with whatever it is. No apologies.
1: And fuck approval. Fuck acceptance. Yes. I'm speaking my mind and I don't need anybody to tell me I'm right or wrong.
0: Right. I think, so Mariana and I are both Peloton people, and Cody Rigsby, <laughs> Cody, Cody Rigsby always says, stop looking for other people's approval. It's not cute. <laughs> it, it's not cute. And it's not.
2: It's not. I'll drink to that.
3: Oh! <laughs>
0: there she goes. <laughs> I so Cheers, heaven. I will drink Salut. to that. <laughs> One of the things I loved in this section of Betty sort of speaking her mind is she starts talking about her, she speaks very brazenly about her dislike of certain fashion trends
1: that are going on. She's
0: calling out certain fashion designers like to their faces being like, hey, your stuff used to fit and I'm in the trenches every day. Like now it doesn't fit. Yeah, fix it. Yeah, like fix it. And she speaks specifically about her hatred of cell phones, and it's so interesting because obviously she grew up in an age before cell phones, Yeah, and now she's thrust into an age where like cell phones are basically an extension of your hand. She says that they're a device that she abhors. I love that. She fucking hates them. Abhors. Abhors. But I found it so interesting that when Patricia Field of Sex in the City Mm. comes into the solutions department looking for wardrobe Betty doesn't mind so much when Patricia's getting calls constantly and she jumps on the phone and suddenly she's like on an interview with some publication (laughs) or whatever you know and I I thought that was so interesting and then I realized you know there's such a mutual respect there for her with certain people Mm
1: -hmm. Patricia Fields labeled Betty as an architect Mm
2: -hmm. because
1: she was so precise about her work and I mean Patricia Field come on sex in the city have we talked
0: about who Patricia Field is yet I don't know if we did talk about it costume designer for sex in the city right and there were so many there were so many costume designers who I mean Betty started a whole other department which now the name of it is leaving my brain, but in addition to solutions, there was a different department that sort of catered itself to specifically the TV film industry. That's when Patricia Fields came in. I mean she worked with Woody Allen, which I'm hesitant to Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep, Candace Bergen, like Mia Farrow, Eliza all of these different stars. And wasn't too. phased, Raging by any Bull, of them. whoever
1: the costume designer was for Raging Bull. Like it's just it's endless
0: so anyway all of that to say i loved that she's talking about ha- her hatred of these cell phones and yet when patricia field comes in it's like you know what Whatever she has so much do, respect girl. for patricia that it's like that's fine we'll take care <laughs> of business excuse me
1: oh my oh, did
0: you hear that betty would respect
1: Hello? it i think <laughs> I think she you were would. speaking your mind Sorry. unintentionally, we're owning
0: your
2: truth, <laughs> Emma. <laughs> My truth is acid <laughs> reflux. <laughs>
0: oh, for right now, God. so we get to this point in the book, mm. where Betty has sort of lost. I mean, she's got her children for sure, who she. Adores. Adores, and she seems very proud of them. They they seem to have taken very individual and different paths in life. But she's proud of both of them for what they've accomplished sort of in their own right. Mm -hmm. But I feel like anybody, I feel like the people she used to look up to or used to look to for support, those people have passed. And I feel like she is now that person for her clients, for her kids, for herself. She's that person mm-hmm. who she has to look to. I think at this point, she's even stopped therapy at you know at this point. Oh, yeah. Well, and the thing,
2: because I was remembering that you mentioned, I think it was the last episode, when she's starting at Bergdorf, and she's looking up at the building, and she's like, Candyland. Yeah. But, and then here, at the end of the book, she says that she started to develop that candy store syndrome, where when you're looking oh, at a lot of sweet mm-hmm. things... Yeah, You start to gag on it after a while. Mm -hmm. So this to me, I'm not saying that I I still think it's her candy land, but it has a different meaning now. You know, it's not now it's just like work and profession and it's lost a lot of that magic, which is natural when you've been at the same place for so long.
0: But well, in a way, she's conquered it. I feel like she sort of walks around now like now what? (laughs) Yeah, like, now what? Or, like, also, she's just got so much ownership over this store, in a way. You know what I mean? She's been walking these aisles for so many years. She knows everything
2: She knows everything.
0: She's so proficient at what she does. And I think that's what I love so much about this section of the book, is she runs her store and her life. Yes. With so much precision and ownership and just love. We get Yo, to see so much about her routines. The way that she
2: categorizes her clothes in her 12 closets. That pissed me off. I won't even. The precision in which she talks about like hanging them and, and the sequence, you know, like prints and then stripes
0: and, and by color. And, and her drawers too. The drawers, so the much. jewelry. Ugh. And even things she talks about that, like, she can't use anymore. She talks about her little, like, the tiny little handbags that aren't appropriate for a single woman. Because now she's, she's got, got all these things she has to carry. But, like, she still has these things. Whereas I'm, like, I've got my tiny limited space. If it's not something I use, I get rid of it. But she's got Marie this Kondo. stuff that she's had for years. It's incredible.
1: What was so funny to me is that she says how she she has these routines both at home and in the store that she's well toilet trained. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was so <laughs> Hilarious. Because <laughs> she just like follows this protocol yeah. and she's not going <laughs> to avoid those habits and those routines. Yeah.
0: I love that about yeah. her. Never. Oh, I <laughs> loved it. The quote I loved from this section of the book was she says... Every time I show up to the office, I reinvent the game. Mm -hmm. And I thought, that's such a voracious way to attack life with that kind of attention and precision. It's like every time she shows up to work, she's looking for a new angle. A new Yeah, a new tactic, a new way to find meaning. Mm Mm-hmm. For herself and a new way to provide a service for the people yeah. who come in.
1: And she constantly challenges herself. Because mm-hmm. following on that, the quote that I loved was, idle hands and brain make for unhappiness. Yeah. Oh, man. So it's like she, she knows that she needs busy. to constantly. Well, she mm-hmm. saw
0: her mom once her store closed. That was it.
2: The other thing mm. I loved, she says, aging can be scary if you let it obsess you. Mm. And I was like, Yeah. Mm that's big time truth oh yeah as soon you know I'm always like I see my face and in my in my tapes and I'm like oh look at these new wrinkles that have popped up today and I do kind of let it obsess me in a way you know like oh Mm -hmm. wow I didn't I didn't notice those wrinkles before but it's like well I am getting old I'm getting older (laughs) I and wiser. But you yeah, know, yeah. I don't
0: think that has to be bad. And that's, that's something what I'm saying. That I think I actually I don't even want to say it that way because I don't think it is bad. I think that's something that especially in this book, Betty proves that she has gotten better as she gets older yes older she gets like a
1: fine wine exactly
0: (laughs) yeah the older she gets the wiser she gets the more information she has the more opportunities she finds herself in the more growth she experiences
1: so inspiring yeah
0: it's something to welcome and i think like we're very lucky to be in our industry at the time that we're in because we do see so many women who are of quote unquote middle age yeah but they're actually finding their peak right now and they continue Mm -hmm. to break that barrier break that glass ceiling and descend yeah Mm -hmm. I will say this book has
2: definitely made me less scared of aging because I really do I really now believe that you do get better and wiser Mm -hmm. and more comfortable and grittier and emboldened with age and those are all really positive. Things Those are to, the best things. Yeah. So. They're all lessons so thanks, Betty. that we've learned from her. I'll drink yeah. to that, too. I'll drink, I'll to, drink that, to that. I'll <laughs> drink Well, if we're really coming full circle, which I feel like we are to mm-hmm. the beginning of our time to the end. Yeah. I can't not. I can't end the discussion of this book without mentioning the epigraph of the book, which I read when I first read the epigraph, you know, at the beginning, before I I really understood how this was going to come into play. Right. I wasn't really sure how this was going to make sense. But to remind y'all, in case you forgot or don't read epigraphs, she writes, (laughs) it's from the Velveteen Rabbit, y'all. It's from no, the Velveteen Rabbit, even, she I says. Can't. <laughs> <sighs> when you are real, you don't mind being hurt. Once you are real, you can't become unreal again. It lasts for always. And I just think, ugh, mic drop. This is big time. She has now come full circle from the epigraph yep. to the end. Betty has found her realness and she's owning it mm-hmm. and she's excited about it mm-hmm. nothing
0: can touch her now
2: <sighs> I just fucking nothing
0: and i think that ties into our conversation about aging too because i think that's sort of something that we all strive for is oh totally not feeling the sting of judgment and owning our own feelings about our own situation right and I feel like that is something that to some degree comes with age. I think probably there are some very lucky people who find it early on in life, but for most of us, that's something that comes with wisdom and mistakes and education. Mistakes, yeah. yeah. Probably yeah. more so mistakes. <laughs> I know that <laughs> really resonated with me. Mistakes, yeah. Yeah.
2: Mistakes,
1: yeah. Yeah,
0: you learn from doing. And I think especially something I, I feel like I learned from her too is that there is a sort of I'm somebody who goes to my mom for every little thing that happens. Mm-hmm. I'm I call my mom and I'm like, Oh my god, this happened. What do you think of this? I'm gonna do this, is that okay? Like what it and I feel like when she loses that person and realizes that she suddenly is that person. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like a torch gets passed to her. Mm. And I do feel like that is something that only comes with age for most people.
1: Sure. Yeah. I also think there was something that she said during these three chapters. She mentions how we anguish and never know what the end will bring. Mm. or what the end will be mm-hmm. or when the end and will I think be. that she doesn't say the, that but yeah and I just I feel that that's something that I'm gonna take with me because I'm the type of person that my whole life I've been such a worry wart. I, I agonize over absolutely everything <laughs> <Me too. laughs> and then overanalyze oh, what I just yes. overanalyzed about <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> And it's awful. <laughs> and the thing is, if I take this, what she said and just who Betty is and how she's learned throughout her life that I need to remember when I'm feeling sorry for myself or when I'm disappointed in me or being my hardest critic, yeah. I can simply tell myself that there's no fucking need for that yes. <laughs> because no one knows what the end will be, will be. Yep. Yep. I just need to speak my truth and known
0: who I am, and it will guide me. It's also probably not going to be that big a fucking deal when we're 80. Whatever it is. You know what I mean? (laughs) Exactly. One of my mantras
2: I always repeat to myself is, it ain't that deep.
0: Yeah. It ain't ain't that that deep. deep. And most things aren't. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm like, yeah, no. Yeah, I think one of the biggest quotes that's gonna stick with me from this book is it's that that daughter, her first bride, she calls her, who's a daughter of a client of hers. Um I don't know if you guys remember this, but Betty at one point doesn't get her The New York, New York Times Real State section of the New York Times. Yes. Yeah. And The girl calls her every Sunday at one o'clock, which we mentioned, and Betty sort of flippantly mentions it to her. I didn't get my real estate section, like no big deal, but like she's kind of upset about it because she reads this section every Sunday. And the girl—I shouldn't call her girl because she's a grown woman at this point—but I feel like Betty thinks of her still as the girl she met. This woman drops off a copy of the real estate section of the new york times for betty and the doorman calls up and says hey this is here for you and betty's like what on earth like i could have gone out and gotten this myself like she didn't have to do this but she says on some level grand gestures are always absurd that is what makes them so appreciated by the recipient it is the unnecessary even the frivolous that makes for the most thoughtful acts And in some ways I felt like that sums up Betty because that's even her in the dressing room. It's not her job to worry about what's going on in the personal lives of these women or what their passions are or what their hopes are for their future. But she goes the extra mile and she thinks about those things when she's dressing them. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And she Mm -hmm. she brings that into her dressing room with her to hopefully make their experience a better one. And I thought that was so, that in itself feels like such a grand gesture. This may be of the same note,
2: but to spice it up a little bit. Yes, thanks. (laughs) And to to bring (laughs) some closure to our closure of our first book. (gasps) What is one thing that either of you took from her story or her writing in the same vein of of kind of where we are but what's one thing that you took that you want to try to incorporate into your life this week like a fun little experiment like for instance this book has made me feel like I want to try to look presentable when I leave the house now (laughs) 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 I have For the last four plus months have been living in sweatpants and pajamas and yoga clothes. And really, that's the extent of it. And so I'm like, you know what? I could put a little more effort and put on jeans. Maybe something that doesn't have an elastic waistband. (laughs) So I'm going to try that
0: this week. (laughs) I love that. I think for me, this idea of... I'm not a very whimsical person. I plan things. I like things in my calendar. Yeah. I'm that kind of a person. So I think this idea of the grand gesture is something mm. that has really stuck with me. So I think this week I'm going to try a grand gesture. I love that. I'll, re- I'll report back and let you guys know how it goes. <laughs> Please do. I love I that. I will.
1: Well, along those lines, I, I'm thinking that I'm going to speak my mind even more. Oh, my. Ooh, I can't wait. <laughs> or
2: should I be very scared? Well, that might be very. Exactly. No. What if she did it right now and was Come like, I'm going to call on.
1: you both out on something? No, no, no. no. I support but it's, it. it. It's I support funny. It. It's funny. It's like how art imitates life. Like I feel that reading this book and reading about Betty's journey and also now creating this podcast with both of you. I, it's somehow ignited this passion Mm -hmm. for me to be able to speak up and share my thoughts and opinions and my personal stories because I feel like I'm I'm in a very safe zone with both of you and it's become such a beautiful thing for the three of us to explore during this time where the world is, as Emma said, on uh, fire, on fire, (laughs) but then you two have been a source of just like comfort for me so it's just allowed me to become someone who is very excited and driven with my own opinions Mm -hmm. and my own self-worth yeah so I feel like Betty and you two have really ignited something that watch out
0: (laughs) oh god
2: no (laughs) you know what I'll drink to that I'll uh, drink to that. I'll drink to that. Oh, I love that. Geez. I love you guys. <laughs> We're not getting sappy. Oh this is not closure. We're this not is just zappy. the beginning. No, this, is,
0: this is, beginning. is just the beginning. Okay, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. A huge, <laughs> big, giant thank you to Jimmy Fontanez and Meteorite Productions, as well as Text Me Records for our music. If you haven't already, please subscribe on
2: Apple Podcasts. five-star review A yes, five, five stars. stars even if you didn't like or it if... <laughs> yeah. just we'll take it. click the five stars and write nothing yeah
0: please whatever
2: drop the yeah. five stars and run they love <laughs> us come on and you love us and have you followed us on instagram yet have you come on well if not Head to at Are These Books Drunk to find out what next month's book selection and cocktail pairing Whoa, are. Yeah, yeah. So that you can read along and sip along with us. Cause, Cause it's, it's always, always
0: happy hour. Happy hour. <laughs> oh my god. That was horrific. <laughs> that was the first time oh we god. tried that. <laughs> Cheers, you guys!
1: Salute, ladies! Love you to Betty. To Betty, bye, you guys.